As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. Thank you for listening to the show that brings you the thought and theology of C.S. Lewis with me, Ruth Jackson. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com where you can also find lots of great articles, resources and podcasts. And you can also register there for the chance to win a free book. If you enjoy listening to the C.S. Lewis Podcast, please do consider rating and reviewing it. But now for today's show. In this series, C.S. Lewis expert Professor Alistair McGrath is delving into the Space Trilogy, arguably one of Lewis's lesser-known works of fiction. We'll be exploring the three books in the trilogy, Out of the Silent Planet, Perilandra and That Hideous Strength. Alistair, let's turn to the topic of sort of evil and suffering and sin. You obviously touched earlier on the fact that the mood seems to get darker and darker as um, the character, one of the characters gets possessed. I mean, the character that we're talking about, it's like something out of a horror film almost, isn't it, as we sort of get further and further on in the book? Well, it's a bit like, um, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, you know, that's... I mean, I think one of the themes that Lewis is trying to bring out here is that um, evil and sin are not abstractions. They are forces. They are forces that captivate us, that um, take control of us, that in effect distort us. And so at several points in his writings, um, certainly Chronicles of Narnia, but also here, what we are seeing is sin or evil being depicted as forces that take over people and as a consequence they are changed internally certainly but also in terms of how they appear to those who are looking at them in other words that you can see this process of transformation of um being captivated and and lewis is trying to make the point that this is a process there's something that really happens that's noticeable that makes a difference and trying to avoid us thinking of sin or evil simply in abstract terms we need to think of them as forces which captivate or take over someone and as a result they lose control of their own lives now lewis makes those points at uh, many points as writings, but i think it's done particularly well here and I mean, does Lewis have any particular thoughts about demon possession or, or, or is, that, is this not really about demon possession? It's more, as you say, about the nature of sin and it taking over people. Well, I, I'm sure Lewis does have thoughts about demon possession, but I think you know, he may well be alluding to the gospel narratives in which people very often are portrayed as being 
um, held captive by demonical possession and Christ is able to heal them. Uh, that doesn't really happen here, I have to say. We have more here, I think, is Lewis looking for a, a powerful narrative element or trope which helps us to understand sin and evil, in effect, are not simply things that we, we say, oh, oh dear, those, those are bad, aren't they? They are things that become part of us, that we participate in. And so there are two questions being asked. One is, what does this do to us? And actually, the whole darkening narrative, I think, is helpful in exploring that. But also, what can be done about that? I think that's the, the key point. Um, you know, if Western is... Um, uh, apparently being taken over by something, what can be done to redeem him? And that, that's a question which I'm not sure Lewis entirely answers, but basically it's, it, it is a real question which emerges from this way of thinking about evil and sin. Well, and without wanting to give away too much of the plot, is Lewis then raising the question of how far we should go to eliminate evil and sin in our lives? Well, he, he I don't want to give away too much about um, the next novel in the series, but what I can say is this, that what Lewis is really saying is that this, this is an ongoing agenda and that one human response to this is to say, right, okay, sin, sin and evil are problems. What we can do is get round this by, in effect, scientific transformation of the world and human beings. In other words, what if we were to kind of way debiologize and the natural world and make it a much cleaner, more hygienic place? Well, well, the kind of things we're worried about don't happen. Or what if we transform ourselves so that we're no longer susceptible to these influences which seem to move us in different directions? And what Lewis is really hinting at is people who, in effect, would um, buy into, for example, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, something like that, which basically are saying, look, we can kind of way use technology to compensate for our moral or existential inadequacies. And Lewis, is, Lewis basically is very much aware that there are two schools of thought that uh, were beginning to become prevalent in British thought around this time. One is you do this by social transformation. The other is you do this by scientific transformation, both of the natural world and of human beings. And in his, in his own way, Lewis is saying neither of these really work, do they? Um, but but he wants us not simply to accept his ideas on this, but rather to tell a story which helps us to grasp these don't work. Well, and you mentioned when you were talking about truth, the kind of almost truths that Weston says. Is there anything in that, um, in those sort of almost truths, where Lewis is issuing some sort of warning about perhaps the, the nature of the devil and the way that he operates? I mean, he obviously goes into much greater detail in things like the screw tape letters with the kind of, you know, the way the devil works, his mind. But is there an element of this here that we see with Western, do you think? Well, I think there is. I think, I think there, there is this idea, first of all, that Western is disclosing only part of who he really is now and, 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 and the sort of partial truths which he articulates. In effect, if I go like this, hide some something else, something rather nastier which lies behind them. I think that's a very important point. But I think Lewis is really, um, I think, raising questions about 
these themes of social transformation, scientific transformation, saying, look, um, that, that there may be some element of truth in their analysis, but it's only a partial truth. And at the heart of both these programs, there are real problems which are concealed from us. And we need to be aware of what they are. And Lewis is saying that very often those with these very significant social and scientific programs don't disclose their full agendas or their ultimate intentions. And that, of course, does become quite a significant theme in that hideous strength, but it's certainly evident here, I think, in Perilandra. Before we rejoin the rest of today's podcast, I have a very special offer for you to help you have an even more meaningful spiritual experience this Easter. As you know, N.T. Wright is without doubt one of the greatest Christian thinkers and apologists of our time, and some of Tom Wright's answers to questions about Jesus' death, resurrection and return are some of the most poignant and thought-provoking. That's why we've created a brand new downloadable devotional resource that's perfect for the Easter season featuring these questions and Tom's answers. This five-day devotional journey titled Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return is only available to friends like you as our thanks for your gift today. And remember, your support is truly critical to help keep resources and podcasts like Ask Inti Write Anything and Unbelievable going strong because this ministry is completely funded by friends like you. So please give the very best gift you can today and make sure to download your copy of Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return devotional at premierinsight.org forward slash C.S. Lewis. That's premierinsight.org forward slash C.S. Lewis. Thank you. One of the things when we're talking about evil and sin and, and all of that is, is perhaps the idea of hell and, and its counterpart, heaven. I mean, Lewis doesn't really address those topics so much here, does he? Or, or, or does he in a kind of more subtle way? And I suppose what are some of his key ideas about heaven and hell? Well, Lewis, I think, um, doesn't really engage these questions. There are hints about what Lewis thinks um, and hints about um, resolution of these issues in a future novel. Although I have to say, I'm not entirely sure that he does really resolve these questions. I think that one of the themes that we talked about earlier is quite relevant here, which is this sense of longing. And certainly one, one of the questions that um, Lewis is raising is whether, let, let me put it like this, whether this sense of longing within human beings, within creatures in, in Perilandra, is something which um, guides us towards our true goal, which of course is God and heaven, or, and this, this is the darker side of things, whether this is something that can be re-engineered socially or scientifically, either to eliminate it or to redirect it altogether. Now, that, that's a point that Lewis will explore later in that is your strength but you know you can see it beginning to bubble up here in perilandra and it's a very significant question which is in effect is there something natural and given us about human beings which reflects the way we are in god's sight or can we by exercise of social transformation programs or scientific uh, methods change who we fundamentally are and hence what we really desire 
Alistair, we've talked um, previously about Lewis airing some of his own questions and objections through Ransom's words in Out of the Silent Planet. But do you think this is also happening in Perilandra? So there's a line, for instance, where he says, not for the first time, he found himself questioning divine justice. I mean, is that something that you think Lewis did question, divine justice? And is that what he's trying to do here in Perilandra? Well, I think one of the questions we have to wrestle with is um, the extent to which Lewis uses characters to express his own misgivings or perhaps um, concerns. And Ransom clearly is the obvious person to focus on for that reason. And certainly, um, Lewis, in his writings on the nature of evil, the problem of pain, does reflect on how on earth we can meaningfully say God is righteous or good in a world in which we experience suffering. Now, of course, um, Perilandra is a world in which really this question perhaps shouldn't arise. But clearly what Lewis is saying is, you know, maybe we make it arise, but certainly those questions are there. And I think what Lewis is really trying to do here is um, is to give permission to his readers to say, these are questions we're thinking about. I used the image earlier of a kind of um, playground or or, or um, play area where you can begin to kick ideas around and just see where they take us. And that's one of the things I think Lewis really enjoys doing through his novel, just giving us that space to kind of begin to think about these questions. And where are some of the other writings of Lewis where he explores some of these big ideas, perhaps not in a, in a fictional in a fictitious sense, but but more in his apologetics writing. Where are some of the places that you would recommend, if, if these are topics that are of interest to people, where would you recommend going to read further on uh, Lewis writing about these issues? Well, you might look at the problem of pain, which takes a very logical approach to the problem of suffering uh, and indeed the issue of divine justice. Or you might go to A Grief Observed, which takes a narrative approach. And the story that Lewis tells there is his own story, his story of his reaction to his wife's death and his doubts, his anxieties. And then, of course, the gradual process of recovery of belief, which he talks about actually more in some of his later letters than he does in Grief Observed itself. So I think those would be two very obvious places to go to in just thinking through what Lewis really thought about those matters. Thank you for listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast with me, Ruth Jackson. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com, where you can also find lots of great articles, resources and podcasts. And do register there for the chance to win a free book. That's premierunbelievable.com. If you enjoy listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast, please do consider rating and reviewing it. Thank you for listening and see you next time.